0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the air. The New York Times announced that it had bought Wordle. Did that surprise you?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, the Times has a uh, a thriving uh, games business. The newspaper was always a place where, uh, where puzzles and these sort of trifles that got you into the day uh, were supplied and provided. I ran the numbers on it and it took me to 155 possible options down from almost 13,000. So the game is doing that behind the scenes and you still feel smart and you are, right? You're figuring it out. It's the, pr- the process of finding something new in something familiar, which is a great feeling.
0: I'm Sarah Funsky. Do you wordle? Maybe you just tried the online word puzzle for the first time, or maybe you've been playing for months and excitedly sharing your results on social media, the ones you got in two or three tries, the ones you got only after using all six tries, and even the ones where you failed entirely. Judging by St. Louis' Twitter, the entire city has gone wordle crazy. So that leaves one big question. Why? Ian Bogost recently explored that very question in an essay for The Atlantic, and he joins us today to tell us about it. Ian is the director of film and media studies at Washington University, and he's also a professor of computer science and engineering. Ian Bogost, welcome.
1: Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. So,
0: Ian, for the uninitiated, and I have to imagine there's still some uninitiated Mm -hmm. out there, how does Wordle work?
1: Uh, It's a word game. There's a new puzzle every day. Everyone gets the same puzzle, and you have to guess a five-letter word. Uh, You get six tries, and each time the game tells you if you got the right letters in the right place, the right letters in the wrong place, or the wrong letters. And that's it.
0: It's pretty simple. It is. And as you say in your piece for The Atlantic, it's not a particularly original idea. Uh, What does Wordle remind you of?
1: These kinds of games have been around for a long time. Of course, people are used to word games of various kinds. Maybe they played uh, Boggle, or or they do crosswords uh, in the newspaper. And uh, just seeing uh, letters inside of a box is something that's familiar to us. But in Wordle's case, uh, there's a whole history, really a century-plus long history, of what you might call trial-and-error code-breaking games. Uh, and there was one... Uh, from the 19th century at least, uh, called Bulls and Cows, which is basically Wordle with numbers. Uh, a board game from the 1970s uh, called Mastermind that used uh, colored pegs. Uh, but a version of Wordle, kind of exactly Wordle, uh, on paper appeared in the 1950s and it was called Jotto, and that became a television show in the 80s called Lingo. So we've seen these patterns before, and you may not, you know, I've seen all of them. Uh, but it's kind of in the water. And that makes it easier for people to become drawn in.
0: So as an outsider to the whole game world, I might assume, okay, the fact that this has already been done before, this makes it less appealing. You say that's just the opposite.
1: Yeah, what you really want is you want something that you've seen before, but that gives you a new take on it. And I don't think this is just true of games. I think this is true of almost everything. Uh, one of the things that I do in my writing is try to explore these kind of squishy concepts like fun and play and what those mean. And one of my answers for what is fun is it's the, the process of finding something new in something familiar. And that familiarity, it, it, it draws you in, but it also gives you a sense that you've, you've explored it before. And even so, uh, there's something novel to discover, which is a great feeling.
0: So we're curious to hear from you. If you have been sucked into Wordle, if you are one of those people clogging up all of my social media feeds, we want to hear from you. What keeps you playing Wordle? You can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. We heard from some uh, listeners throughout the area who had some thoughts on this. Uh, Richard says on Twitter, there's 12,972 five-letter words. I like my chances of finding the right one in fewer than seven tries. Uh, Kara says on Facebook, quote, this is oddly specific, but we have a three-month-old at home, and so I've been playing every morning as a way to kind of jumpstart my brain after sleepless nights. I missed a word a few days ago and knew I'd need more, a few more cups of caffeine to make it through the day. Ian, is part of the appeal, the fact that they only let you play one game per day. You don't have to worry about getting sucked in and, and being manipulated into wasting two hours.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really huge because everything that we do, Online these days, it wants all of your attention. You know, come back and there's another post on Twitter or on Instagram, and then there's another and another. And constraining the number of puzzles to one a day and giving everyone the same one—it's—it's it's actually a huge relief. And it's also the feeling that we used to get with a newspaper puzzle. But you know, if you got the the print newspaper, that idea of like warming up for the day uh, by by being able to solve something—every all the news is bad, everything's out of control. But here's something you can solve that gives you comfort. That's exactly the same pattern that that Wordle is borrowing from.
0: You had a great quote in your story for the Atlantic. Quote, "Wordle feels harder than it is. That gap between real and perceived difficulty makes Wordle players feel smart, but more important, it imbues them with a sense of power, a great feeling and a rare one these days. This idea that this is something I can do. Everything else around me is broken, but here's this one little puzzle that maybe is, is going to take me 5 minutes."
1: Right. Right. And and that's what puzzles are really are really good for. And that business of the 12,972 words, which is the size of Wordle's uh, dictionary, really helps with this because it doesn't feel like it. But when you make a guess and it has even just one letter that's in the wrong place, it, it winnows down that number substantially. So I won't give away today's solution, but in today's Wordle, I had one right and one wrong, uh, one, one correct and correctly placed and one incorrectly placed letter in my first guess. And that, I ran the numbers on it, and it took me to 155 possible options, down from almost 13,000. So the game is doing that behind the scenes, and you still feel smart. And you are, right? You're figuring it out. Uh, but, but everybody knows you know, uh, a 1,000 or more common five-letter words, which is what we're, Wordle's relying on.
0: So it's almost hard not to get it. By the time you get to the mm-hmm. end, there's maybe like two or three total choices.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and you still sometimes don't get it. Uh, but then you can share it with other people, and it's okay. Like, there's not a feeling that you're substantially better or substantially worse than your friends or your family uh, or your colleagues when you play, because there's six possible uh, uh, kind of scores, right? You can get it in one, or you can get it in six, or somewhere in between, and 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 that really gives it puts everyone almost on the same footing.
0: i want to go to the phone line. Zoe is calling from Clayton. Uh, Zoe, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hey. Hi, I'm, um, I'm curious the, to hear your thoughts on Wordle. Yeah, um, one of my favorite things about Wordle is the fact how it's so hyper-competitive between me and my friends. Um, every day, whenever the new word, it's time to discover it. My friends and I will get together, and we try to uncover it in the fewest um, number of guesses possible. So it's always a fun game to see who can guess the word. <laughs> And I think we might have just lost Zoe there, but she was sounding great while she was still coming in. This is something that she shares with her friends. You know, there's been a lot of eye rolling about, can you get this off my Twitter feed? But Ian, your theory is that this is more often being shared in private groups, just like Zoe's talking about.
1: That's right. This seems to be really common with Wordle, where people aren't necessarily posting to the whole world, everyone that they know, uh, but are sharing it maybe via text message with uh, a few family members who are also playing. And that creates these sort of natural communities who really want to play and want to share and want to compete in the way that Zoe described. And that's a, a little bit different than the kind of spammy you know, social media uh, uh, viral memes or whatever that you see, but also different from the social games that we saw about 10 years ago during the, the Farmville era, where the games were really trying to aggressively push players to share it and spread it. And get as many people back in as possible. And Wordle's very low key in that regard.
0: Yeah, I mean, what seems sweet about Wordle, uh, you know, now we know the backstory that this is something that a, a man made uh, for his his uh, partner, um, something to satisfy her. He wasn't trying to make a lot of money off this thing. We might be at a point where we're not necessarily going to fall for the next Farmville. We're onto that in 2022, but this is maybe sweet enough to, to capture us.
1: Yeah, it's certainly a more sophisticated uh, group of people online uh, than we were uh, a decade ago, and we we know some of these tricks, and we recognize the things that feel good and bad. And one of the things that feels bad is is you know getting spammed with messages uh, that you don't want. But at the same time, it also feels good to react to a trend. And so even the folks on Twitter who are like, "Get this off my feed," they're participating too.
0: This is true. I'm one of those secret Wordle players. <laughs> Post my score there, but I can't stop playing. Well, yeah. so, uh, you know, we mentioned this was kind of a, just a, a private thing. Somebody does it for his girlfriend, took off from there. On December 31st, the New York Times announced that it had bought Wordle. Did that surprise you? Uh,
1: not really. I mean, the Times has a, uh, a thriving uh, games business, and uh, a lot of their uh, subscriber growth is driven by non-news content that includes games uh, such as a uh, spelling bee, such as their crossword. It also includes cooking and the the wire cutter product review service, a- and the, that that goes back in history. Uh, the newspaper was always a place where uh, where puzzles and these sort of trifles that got you into the day. Uh, were supplied and provided. And then when the casual game scene uh, arose in the, in the 90s and 2000s uh, on, online and then on mobile phones, uh, the newspaper business got kind of left behind. But, but the Times has been pretty aggressive in, in trying to recapture uh, uh, that control. So it is a, a natural match for a newspaper and for the Times in particular.
0: We're talking today to Ian Bogost. He is the Director of Film and Media Studies at Washington University, also a Professor of Computer and computer Science and Engineering. I want to encourage you to read Ian's piece in The Atlantic. We have that linked on our website, stlonair.show. Just really a smart piece about this thing we're all doing, maybe haven't thought about, a good defense of Wordle. And yet, at the same time, Ian, you're kind of not bullish on Wordle's prospects. You know, the New York Times paid in the low, seven figures for this game, you seem to feel that its moment is fairly finite. Why is that?
1: There's a few reasons. Uh, the first is that the, the game is very tightly designed. One of the things that makes it work is that uh, it is curated a list of, it's about 2,300 solutions um, that com- are composed of common five-letter English words, words that everybody knows. And that means that that, that feeling that we have with the game every day is fixed and, and limited and will end. It's about six years into the future uh, for, for every daily puzzle, but nevertheless, it, it has to come to a close or the game has to change to persist. That's one reason. But another is just that you know these, these trends, when, when things kind of reach saturation in the world, it's hard then to come back to them uh, anew. And already, even in the last week or so, since, uh, since I published the story and since the New York Times made the purchase and there's been a lot more conversation about Wordle, it's felt as though that saturation point uh, has been reached. Uh, and we need almost like, you know, kind of constant reinvigoration around these sort of attention uh, experiences uh, that we have, even the ones that provide the same kind of service. And I think we saw that uh, over the last couple of years with the Times' spelling bee game, which had a similar eruption of mm-hmm. popularity early in the pandemic, and now people are a little bit irritated with, and they're constantly complaining that it isn't recognizing the words they're using uh, or what have you. So it's a great specimen. It might persist uh, forever. It certainly will persist as a as a memory and a design pattern and an entry in that long history of games. Uh, but uh, I see what the Times doing as is more like building a catalog, and this is one of them.
0: So maybe there's that one guy who's going to pay to get behind the paywall just to keep playing this game. But overall, they do not want to bank their future on people just playing Wordle day in, day out for the next five years.
1: Yeah, just like, you know, you wouldn't have one show and call that a, a radio program.
0: I mean, that's a fair point right there. That mm-hmm. That's not going to work. So, Ian, just we just have, I don't know, three or so minutes left. But I'm very curious about this. You recently moved to St. Louis. Uh, you were in Atlanta. What made you want to take this job at Wash U and give the Midwest right. a chance? Yeah, uh, that's
1: right. I was I was in Atlanta at, uh, at Georgia Tech, and I was just really excited to come here and uh, help grow uh, WashU Media Studies, not just in the areas that we already focus on and which we're continuing with in film and television, but into the kind of digital media that we're that we're talking about, which is just an area of huge growth and also of kind of confusing Like, why is it that we like these kinds of games, and what does that mean? That's certainly something that. Uh, Uh, that our students and the general public uh, uh, are interested in and where there's a lot of careers and opportunity as well.
0: And so you are a video game designer. Now you kind of think about games as a whole, but do you feel like video games now fall under film and media studies?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the media industry is is huge, and it includes everything computational. And all, all of the film and television, a lot of it that we consume, is digital now, too, on streaming services and so on. Uh, and then the games business is giant, uh, many, many billions of dollars. Uh, some people compare it uh, to Hollywood box office and say, oh, look, this is you know an industry that makes uh, as much or more uh, money. But the cultural impact and the, uh, the time uh, that we spend and the influence that it has in our lives is, uh, is certainly uh, just as important.
0: So you moved for this job in the middle of a global pandemic. Have you been able <laughs> yes. to, to get out and, and see anything in your I, new city?
1: I, you know, I've been inside playing Myrtle instead that's what, that's what been I mean, doing. It,
0: it takes up a lot of time, right? Yeah,
1: I, I still have a lot to learn about the area, but I'm so excited to get to talk to you and, and, and your community. And I hope to, uh, to learn a lot more about the region.
0: So I got to say, you did hit one really critical thing. I was so amused by your thread about going to the city museum. You had some amazing photos. Here, here's a quote <laughs> yes. from this thread, finally went to the St. Louis City Museum, and nobody told me it's a Guillermo del Toro terror playground. Is a terror playground, I mean, you're a game guy, is a terror playground a good thing?
1: I don't know. I'm still not sure. Everyone had been talking about this place, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go eventually in a pandemic and everything, and then we went, and we're totally, totally shocked. Uh, it's really kind of a, a, a sculpture in in museum uh, cosplay, uh, but a cosplay, but a delightful and, and uh, in my mind, terrifying place.
0: A delightful and terrifying place. Do you think you'll ever go back?
1: I'm sure to. I'm sure to. If, if, if for no other reason than to make sure that I got it right the first time. It was also raining when when we first went, and so we have to go back to do everything outside.
0: Yeah, well, there's there's going to be more rainy days here, and it, it's also good to go there when it rains. But you know, I'm I'm glad you're out here exploring, getting to know your new city. Uh, we're very excited that you're here. So great. Thank, thank you thank for you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining us today, and uh, we hope we can have you on again. Talk more I'd about. Love to. It's been fun. a real pleasure. <laughs> you have a great topic, uh, Ian Bogos. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Ian is the director of film and media studies at Washington University, also a professor of computer science and engineering. His great piece about Wordle, we have that linked on our website, stlonair.show. You can also read it at theatlantic.com. This episode was produced by Alex Hoyer with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air?